My name is Gabe Jenkins. I've been a, a pastor here at New Life since uh, 2005, so coming on uh, nine years. It's been a, a wild ride. It's been a good journey, and um, I'm thrilled to be here tonight for a lot of different reasons, but, but one, I'll just give you a little bit of backstory here. Um, so I've been working on a department team of all women, and in addition, I've been doing some counseling at the Dream Centers, which is a women's medical clinic. And then I went home to my wife and my two daughters. So I was surrounded by women. And the funny thing is, is probably about five years ago, I'm from Kansas initially. Five years ago, I went back to help with a wheat harvest in Kansas, and I was driving this tractor. And God started speaking to me about a call on my life to really invest into men. And so I'm thinking, okay, God, so if I heard you right, you're calling me to, to work with men, but I work with all women, I'm counseling women, and I go home to a wife and, wait a minute, did I eat a bad pizza and just miss your voice? So I'm glad to be here. I'm excited about what God is doing in the men's ministry. And one of the things that I really feel like God has highlighted in particular, and he's really asked me to, to pray into and I think it's a picture for what he wants to see for the men of new life. It's, it's from Psalm 1. So if you have your Bibles, just flip, up, flip open to a Psalm chapter 1. And the reason I'm sharing this is because I want to invite you to join me in praying this specifically over the men of new life, the men of our church. Starting in verse 2, but his, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. I just felt like God had highlighted that and said, I want you to pray this over the men of our church. And so to you guys tonight, I just want to invite you to, to, to join me in praying that over. What would this church look like if... The men of new life, the, the reality of that was seen in the men of new life. Wouldn't that be powerful? That'd be awesome. So please, please join us in praying that over the men. Let's just do that right before we dive into some of the scriptures. Let's do that right now. Let's pray that over the men. Father, we, we thank you that this is what you want to do, not only in our lives, but this is what you want to do for the men of new life. God, you want them to be to be people who meditate on the truth of your word day and night, where their hearts are just consumed by your word and your, your word fills their minds. And in return, God, they will be, we speak this and declare this, the men of our church will be like trees planted by streams of living water. We thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Pastor Colin asked me to talk uh, about identity tonight, and, and uh, so go ahead and open up the scriptures to Luke 3, if you brought your Bible. Luke uh, chapter 3. I love this topic. I'm still learning about this topic. You know, I look out and I see, I see men who are, have been walking uh, with Christ for many years, and I know a lot of you have deep roots in Christ, and you're firmly established in your identity. 
And so one of the things I'm looking forward to just as we move forward over the next couple months is learning from you and having the chance to, to learn from you. And uh, so I'm on this journey too, but I'm excited about what God has done in my life on the topic of identity, and I want to share a little bit of that tonight. I'm convinced that God is so passionate about revealing identity to his sons. And the amazing thing about God is he reveals identity in such a deeply personal way. He'll take the truth of Scripture and the truth of who we are in Christ as sons, and he has a way of imparting that truth to my heart and to your heart in such a deeply personal way. He's a father. He fathers us. And part of that is he reveals to us who we are. In the same way that I've got three, three kids by the way, I did have a son. Uh, he's five months old, so starting to get a little more testosterone in our house. I've got two girls and a son. But in the same way that I talk to my kids in personal ways, I've learned that if, I just, if I'm always talking to them the same way, it loses some of its effectiveness. Like, well, Dad, you, that's what you just said to Avery. That's, but when I get on their level and I look them into the eye and I speak something directly to their heart, they just melt. And if I understand that, and I'm a little dense at times, how much more does God understand that as our Father? And so he loves to take truth and speak it to us in such a personal way where it gets through to us. And so uh, in Luke 3, this is what we see. We'll put some of the scripture on the, the screen here. This is right after Jesus was baptized and this is when all the people were being baptized. Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I think that's a fascinating passage. I think this is an amazing picture of the father talking directly to the son. Now notice he says, you, you are my son. I think it's in Mark 9, again, the father speaks over, over Jesus. But he said, this is my son, listen to him. So in that case, he's talking to the people around Jesus, this is my son. But in this passage, he's saying, you are my son. With you, I am well pleased. There's, there's a personal touch there, the father to the son. And so when I read a passage like that, I wonder, well, if Jesus needed to hear identity, how much more do I need it? How much more do you need it? How much more do we need the Father to speak this into our lives? That you are my son. That I love you. And with you, I'm well pleased. And so what I want to do over the next few minutes is I just want to unpack those three statements. That you are a son that you are loved, and that you are the delight of the Father. Now, as I say that, I realize there weren't any jaws that hit the floor. This is not new information. This is not groundbreaking revelation. Oh, my goodness, I'm loved by God? Whoa, I've never heard of that. We've heard that before. We have that, we have that in our head, but I wonder, is that alive in our hearts, that truth? See, I'm not trying to just speak speak to the intellect. I'm, I want to talk to the, the, the soul of a man, the heart of a man tonight, that, that these three truths 
you're a son, that you are beloved, and that you are the delight of the Father. But my prayer is that tonight God will take some of these truths and just in a fresh way, just singe these, burn these into our hearts. And as I was, I was reading this scripture and praying this scripture, I had this, I had this just mental picture. Again, being from Kansas, it was of, of a cow just being branded. Have you ever seen that before? I've got a picture here. But, but a cow just being branded because, you know, what that communicates is this, this cow belongs to somebody. This cow has an owner. And I think in the same way, this is what God wants to do to our hearts. He wants to, he wants to brand our hearts in such a way where we know and the world knows that man belongs to somebody. That man is a son. He belongs to the Father. God has chosen him. God has called him. God has marked him. God has set him aside. God will provide for him. God will father him and love him and protect him. Again, nothing new to our, our minds, but perhaps it's new just to our hearts. That, that we're, we're sons. And then the, the next thing is that we're loved. That, that we're loved unconditionally. What an amazing truth. And not only are we loved, but the idea that, that he delights in us. Really, God? You delight in me? I think, I think this, this process of branding oftentimes happens over time as we draw near to the heart of the Father and we learn more about who He is as a Father, who He is as our God. And I just want to share a story of how this really came alive to me in my walk with God when I really realized when God, so to speak, took these three truths, that I'm a son, that I'm loved, and that I'm the delight, the, his delight. And he, he singed these into my heart. And so uh, the story goes is that I, I grew up in a, in a wrestling home, the sport of wrestling. My dad coached high school wrestling for 35 years. So as, when I was just a toddler, I was on wrestling mats, going to wrestling meets. And, um, and when I was a young boy, I attended a wrestling camp at the University of Iowa. And... In addition to learning a few new moves, I actually I wrote down a goal. I was just a really young boy, and in messy handwriting, I said, my dream is to be an All-American, and an All-American is a few places in the top eight of a national tournament. And so I, I, uh, I don't know where that dream came from. Perhaps it came from just being around the sport, but it was just something that never left me. And I had some crazy dreams. I don't know about you when you were younger. If you can remember some of the dreams you had. I had some really crazy dreams. At my sixth grade, gra this is embarrassing. At my sixth grade graduation, I stood up in front of a packed gymnasium, and I declared that my life dream was to be the middle linebacker for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> so that didn't pan out for obvious reasons. 5'7", 160 pounds, that... That didn't work out. But this, this dream of being an All-American, it never faded. It just wouldn't go away. And so my parents, they drove me all over the, the country when I was in high school, and they flew me, and they gave me the opportunity to compete at different national wrestling tournaments. And I, I really never even came close. I'm surprised they didn't give up. 
they kept shelling out the money and, and taking me to these different tournaments. And, and I would beg them, and I'd say, please, come on, please, just keep taking me. And uh, I had a lot of success at the state level in high school, and I, I won a couple of state championships, but I never even came close to, to attaining my goal of being an All-American. And so after I graduated high school, I decided that I, I wasn't going to give up on this dream. And so I, I decided to wrestle in college, and a few months into it, I realized that college wrestling, like any college sport, is just a different animal. Just requires a completely different level of sacrifice and commitment. And I was just, I was getting my tail kicked. And um, it was really humbling for me. And so halfway through my freshman year, I called my dad and said, Dad, I'm done. I'm quitting. I've had enough of this. And there was silence on the phone. Did he hang up? <laughs> and he said, son, you need to finish what you started. And, you know, being in college, I didn't technically have to listen to him, or at least I didn't think. I mean, I'm like, I'm college. But he had earned my respect as a man. He had res earned my respect as a coach, and so I decided to keep going. And I, and I just, it was a rough year. I continued to, to lose and I did really poorly. And for some reason, I decided to wrestle one more year. And um, that year, was, it was just very average. And it came, it came down, I knew this would be my last year. I'd been wrestling for 18 years. I knew this was it. This was my last chance to attain this dream that I had as a, a little kid. And uh, so the regional tournament, the qualifying tournament came around, and you had to place in the top three out of eight to even qualify for nationals. Well, I placed fourth at that tournament. And so technically, I, I didn't even make the cut to even go to nationals. But uh, they gave me a wild card selection, and... They, there was only two wild card selections in the entire tournament, and they gave me one of them. So I just barely, by the skin of my teeth, qualified for nationals, and I showed up, and honestly, I just wanted the whole thing to be over. I was so beat down. I was so... Who I was in high school, and that grittiness, and that confidence, and that, that, that just being tough, I lost all of that. And I was like, let's just get this over with. Let's just... I'm going to lose. It's going to follow the same script it has in the past. Let's just, let me just get on with my life. And, um, and so I showed up at the tournament. My parents made the 18-hour drive to support me once again. And I always wondered what they talked about on those drives. Like, do you really think this is going to be any different than the other 10 times? I mean, come on. <laughs> oh. And so I, I looked at the bracket, and my very first match was against a guy who was ranked highly in the country, and he was supposed to be an All-American. I was a nobody, and people just expected him to walk through his first match, and I did too, honestly. And I, so I, they, they called my name to the mat. I showed up. I looked over. He was bigger. He was stronger. He was more confident. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be bad. But I looked over, and my dad had, had settled into a front-row seat, and he actually had a look of confidence and I was thinking, what, what's wrong with him? <laughs> what, uh, and he just had that look like, that's my son. I believe in that man right there. And it was such a picture in that moment. It's a picture of our Heavenly Father, really. Our Heavenly Father, he has that look towards, you're my son. No matter how we think about ourselves, no matter 
what the script that plays between our ears is, our Heavenly Father's confidence and belief in us as sons never wavers. He has that look like, you're going to do it. You're my son. And that just caught me off guard. And so the match started, and within about 30 seconds, I, my feet were flying through the air. My head, bam, bounced off the mat, and I was on my back on the verge of being pinned in the first minute. And I was, this was not going well. This was embarrassing. And again, the same thoughts started coming back. Just, just get this over with. Come on, this is, nothing's going to be different. This is the same thing. And I heard my dad's voice. It's just personal, you know, I sometimes, when a father speaks to a son's heart in such a way, it's just, still to this day, it's been 12 years and it still gets me, but he said, he said, fight. He said, come on, son, fight. And he said it in such a way where there was still the confidence, there was still the belief. And something, when I heard his words, Something came alive, just came alive in me. And I was so, I was taken aback because usually when a fan, they're, they're te- they're, the person they're supporting or their team is getting destroyed, like the Broncos and the Super Bowl, I'm a big fan, but usually the fans don't stand up and say, that's my team, yes. And the, you know, it was 43 to 8, I'm a Broncos fan, I li- go Broncos. You know, usually we're like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and be quiet and I uh, take off my Broncos hat. You're still sporting it. I love it. Come on, let's just give this man a hand right here. Yes, he's got the Broncos hat. I'm with you. I am. Um, but my dad, when I, was, when I was on the verge of being humiliated, his voice got louder. And he, he stood up. And he was like, come on, son, fight. In, in other words, he's saying, this is not who you are. He was, he was speaking something to me that was true that I had forgotten. And his boldness and his ability, his willingness to identify with me when I was down here, that, that's what ignited something in me. And so I, I ended up coming back, and, and it was in that moment when I heard his words and I heard his voice, and the Father spoke to the Son that I decided I'm done retreating. I'm done playing it safe. I'm done believing this script that is always going to end this way. I'm actually going to engage. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to fight. And it's amazing what happened when I actually decided to do that, when the Father spoke that to me. And I came back, and I, I pulled off an upset, 8 to 7. And people were like, whoa, who, who is this guy? What happened there? And again, I was just a nobody in, in that, at that level. And uh, so then I, I went on to win uh, my next match, which put me one match away from my childhood dream. And so uh, I stepped on the, the mat for that, the final match, and um, I was confident, but I was, I was losing the entire time. It was close. Uh, but with 10 seconds left, I was losing. And all this guy had to do is just hold me off for 10 seconds to crush my dreams. But I ended up, it felt like a miraculous divine moment. I ended up snapping him to the mat and, and shucking him by to score a winning takedown with about two seconds left. 
And it was in that moment that that dream became a reality. And I looked over, and my coach was going nuts. He was running all over the place. And, you know, I lifted my hands in the air like I had dreamed about as a, a small boy. But the most powerful thing for me, it wasn't the accomplishment. It was seeing my dad because he was, he was in the upper seats, and only the athletes and coaches were allowed on the, the lower level. And he, he came running towards me with his arms wide open, tears coming down his eyes. And the security people tried to stop him, but there was no stopping him. He just, poof, he came to me and he picked me up and gave me the greatest bear hug of my life. Just, I, could feel his, I could feel his tears coming down. And it was in the, the reason that moment was so powerful to me again, had little to do with the accomplishment. It had everything to do with, I, I experienced the delight of a father in that moment. It was, it was pure delight. I could tell he was proud of his son. And that's one of the most powerful moments of my entire life. And later on, uh, a few years later, God, he spoke to my heart and he said, you know, do you remember that? Do you remember that, that what it was like to experience the delight of your father? He said, that's how I am towards you every day. After your greatest victory or after your worst defeat. He said, that kind of delight, that, that kind of I'm proud of you, you are my son, I'm declaring that you are my son, that never changes. That's unwavering. And I started thinking, really? I mean, is that even, God, is that even possible? Even after, my big, even after I mess up and sin, and, I mean, you, you're still delighted in me? And he, he showed me this in Scripture. And in Luke 15, a story we all know, the, the prodigal son. But this was an example of the truth of what he spoke to my heart. Here you have a son who blew it big time. He took his, his father's money and he went away to a foreign land and he wasted it and spoiled it. You can put that scripture up. Let's just, let's just take a look at this. Luke 15. So he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. I just want to pause right there. I mean, to know that the father was looking for him. I mean, can you picture that? The father going to the window every night before he goes to bed and just does one more look. It's my son out there. Because in this, in this time during the first century, it was common knowledge that the, a person that did this, a Jewish man who took Jewish finances and went and spoiled them in a foreign land, they would be coming back to the community to face uh, uh, the Kazaza ceremony. And the Kazaza ceremony was when, when this happened, the, the village people would meet that person coming back and they would break a big clay pot in front of them. And that, the breaking of the pot would symbolize that that person was cut off from the community and couldn't return. And this was common knowledge. And so the father, the catch was, though, that if the father met the son before the breaking of the pot, the father could welcome the son back. And so if the father was willing then the father could, could get there before the ceremony took place. And so I think that adds kind of an extra little 
piece to this that the father was looking for the son. The father was waiting for the son. The father had compassion for him and ran and embraced him. Now, Kenneth Miller, uh, Dr. Kenneth Miller, he spent 40 years studying uh, Middle Eastern culture. And one of the things that, that he points out is that distinguished men in this culture, in this time, they didn't run anywhere. They, they only walked. In fact, he says that for a man to run, that was a very dishonorable, disgraceful, humiliate. He, he used the word humiliating thing. And so for the father to hike up his robe, to expose his knees, which was another disgraceful, humiliating thing, and run towards the son. And just, just picture this. The father humiliating himself as he ran to the son. And I imagine the village people were trying to slow him down, trying to say, hey, wait, 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 stop. Kind of like the security guards to my dad. Wait, wait, wait. There's no stopping this father. He was going to his son. He was going to a son that royally blew it. And the father took the humility, or he took the, the humiliation upon himself to save the son. And it says embraced. The Greek word for embrace means to seize possession of. The word is epipito. I think I'm saying that right. But it, it means to seize possession of. The father was seizing possession of the son before the kazaza ceremony and the son could be cut off. I mean, this is the gospel. This is the beauty of the gospel. It's God taking uh, humiliation upon himself on the cross in order to seize possession of us so that we could become sons. Just the beauty of the gospel, the wonder and the power of the gospel. And so as he began to unpack this for me, this truth began to be singed upon my heart. That, wow, God, this, this is true. I, I'm your son. You love me, and I'm... I'm the apple of your eye. I'm, I'm, uh, you delight in me even after I really blow it. And so <clears throat> that's just a, it's just, I think it's a powerful concept when it comes to identity. That this is foundational for identity, that we're sons, that we're loved, and that the Father delights in you. Now, this isn't just me. This isn't just, that was a unique way of how God imparted that truth to me. But here's the thing. That's what he does for all of his sons. Your story will look different than mine. Your journey will look different than mine. But it's the same process. It's the father who's crazy about you, who's marked you, chosen you, set you aside as son, revealing that you're the apple of his eye, that he delights in you. And there's nothing you can do, no matter how how bad you blow it or how much you succeed. There's nothing you can do that can change the fact that the Father delights in you. The Father smiles in you. And, and for me personally, God just continues to remind me of this. I, I was holding my, uh, my two-year-old daughter recently, and I went to give her a hug. And I just said, Sophie, I just wish you knew how much I, I was giving her a bear hug. I wish you knew how much I loved you. 
And it was just the whisper of the Holy Spirit to my heart saying, I, I know what you mean. I wish you, Gabe, knew how much I loved you. It's just, he's still, in ordinary moments, revealing to me, son, I wish you knew how much I loved you. And so what I've started doing is I've started developing a practice. And, and I know for a man this might be kind of weird. And for me, it just took me some time to get used to too. But I just, from that moment on when God revealed, I just want you to let me love you. Let me embrace you. In the same way that your dad embraced you, let me just embrace you. Let me, let me give you a bear hug. I've just started, I've just started just in prayer just saying, okay, God. I'm going to let you give me a bear hug. I'm going to let you embrace me. I'm going to let you love me and delight in me. Because often, and if you have kids, you probably know this, there are times where you just want to give them a, a good squeeze, a good hug. And you're like, no, no, I want, don't distract me from my show. Have you guys ever had that happen with your kids? But I think that's what happens sometimes with me and my relationship with God. It's like, God, I'm too busy, too busy. He's like, son, let me love you. Let me delight in you. And so we're going to have some time here just around your tables to pray for one another. And one of the things that uh, we have some note cards. You don't have to do this tonight, but just to take home. Just, I thought it would be a good idea on, on one side. <clears throat> when it comes to identity, what you believe about yourself. You know, we live in a culture where people sometimes are pretty reckless and careless with their words and sometimes sometimes it's from our own dads, people that we're close to but I want you to, to take some time and think this week, get alone with God, think through what are some words that have been spoken over you that have been impactful especially the words that have, have, been, have cut kind of deep that have been hurtful and then on the other side, ask, ask the Father what he speaks over you. Just like he spoke over Jesus, you're my son, I love you, I'm well pleased. The Father will take those, those three truths and he'll impart them to you in a personal way. It might be something somebody speaks to you this week or next week. It might be something that happens in the future. It might be the, the whisper of the Spirit in your own heart. God is creative in communicating. And if, we just, if we're aware and we're watching for it, it's just amazing how active he is and how much he wants to communicate. So this is just something that might help draw our attention. God, what are you speaking over me as a man? What is true about me? This is what I've believed. This is what other people have said. But Father, what are you saying about me? I think it could be powerful. I just did that again today. Father, what are three things you're speaking over my life? And just at first I had a hard time hearing anything, but as I leaned in a little bit more and, and uh, I, I just I heard him speak to me. And it was, it was refreshing. It was awesome. I need that. I think we need that because the enemy also has a lot to say. And in a few weeks, Colin is actually going to dive into that topic of what's the enemy saying to you? How, how is the enemy involved in the formation of our identity. So let's just pray and then we'll dive into our groups here. Father, we thank you that you're a good father. You're so personal. 
Because of Jesus, you have called us sons. That's a big deal. God, begin to, to unpack that for us. What does that mean, that we're sons? You've, you've called us sons, just like you called Jesus a son. God, reveal the truth of that statement. And God, you also say that you love us. We're the beloved. Help us understand what that means, not just with our minds, but let that, that truth come alive in our hearts, that we're loved. And then lastly, God, that you delight in us, that you're, you're pleased in us. God, reveal that to us. Give, us. give us ears to hear what you're saying to each of us this week on this topic. In Jesus' name, amen. But one of the things here on, on uh, Wednesday night is we just want to have a time for, for you guys to get to know other men and um, also pray for one another. And so at your tables here, before you go, I'd just like you to, to go around and get to know the other guys at your table. And then uh, one of the questions I think would be interesting to ask is ask one another, hey, what's one thing you're, you're anticipating? What's one thing you're hopeful of? What's one thing you're asking God to do in your life? I think we should never lose that, uh, a hopeful anticipation for God to, to do so, whatever it is in our lives. And so I think as we're, as we're in relationship with other men, part of it is, we, hey, what are, you, what are you asking God for? Because I want to join you in prayer. I want to join you in praying for that. And so around your table, just, just uh, ask each other that. What's one thing you're anticipating God to do in your life over the next month or two? So...